Benvenidos and welcome to the Platform Latino podcast where we profile, highlight, and bring to the airwaves the successes of our community and those helping us to get us there. I'm your host, Osvaldo Valdez, and I'd like to thank you for joining us and enjoy the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome back in um, the quarantine version of Platform Latino. Um, today we have an amazing guest. I was super excited and happy when she reached out to me, reached back out to me, that she was able to to come and present. She has she has done a lot. She she built her Instagram page with amazing, amazing content, to, and it has over 20, close to twenty thousand followers. She's been interviewed across the board even highlighting the Museo de Barrio in, in, um, in New York. And today I'd like to present Jolly Cepeda. Hi. Welcome, welcome. So, so Jolly, I always like to start off the podcast, and I don't know if you're able to, to read a little bit about it, but my, my goal for it is to present like Latinos in the community doing good things, thinking outside the box, not taking the, the normal route to success, but just kind of be the positive figure that looks like like us and speaks the same language and you know has common history and maybe eats the same food um just maybe um what's a little bit of your personal history where did you grow up um what did you study if you went in college and and just any little personal tidbits you'd like to to add um so i am from uptown dykeman inwood um so uppermost section of manhattan i also have roots in the south bronx in soundview um specifically from my father's side and i grew up in dykeman i've been in dykeman until six months ago i moved to brooklyn um we all need to spread our wings right <laughs> um <laughs> you can't stay in the neighborhood forever <laughs> um and so i i left um, six months ago, I went to school um, as a kid. I went to school in El Barrio. So being able to work with El Museo del Barrio was amazing. Um, and it made me feel really like all of these, you know, feelings of excitement and just being super humble. And like, you know, I couldn't believe that it actually happened. Right. Um, that was able to kind of go back to my old stomping grounds, because although I didn't live in the barrio, the barrio definitely, um, you know, helped to mold me into who I am today, you know, um, because I, I went to school there from third through eighth grade. So a, a big chunk of my childhood. Um, and then I went to high school on the Upper West Side. So that was something that was different just in terms of like <laughs> experience and who I was <laughs> meeting. And I was, you know, so used to being around all these Puerto Ricans and, you know, tons of African kids in my old school in the barrio. And then I end up, you know, going to a more cosmopolitan school where I'm meeting Jewish kids for the first time. I'm, you know, meeting people who grew up totally different than me. And then also, you know, people who were very similar as well. So um, high school was my introduction to kind of like the world, like a microcosm version of New York City. And then I ended up going to the new school university for college. And I went there to, um, I went to Eugene Lang College. So that was like the liberal arts um, section of, of the university. And there I studied film. So I have a major in film and I have a dual minor. Um, but the minor that helps me the most <laughs> is my minor in contemporary Latin American literature. Um, so I minored in ethnicity and race and 
um, contemporary Latin American literature. And here I am now. Um, I work at Mass Appeal, so I do film and TV there, um, development. Um, and I do Nueva Yorkinos. <laughs> I'm the founding curator of Nueva Yorkinos. I also do a lot of like holistic work as well um, and, and community work. So I'm a doula. I service pregnant women um, throughout their pregnancy. I'm also there for the pregnancy, um, providing, you know, love and care and tenderness and, and support physically, emotionally for the mother, for the family that I'm helping service. And I also do meditation and um, yoga instructor so I kind of do a lot oh. of stuff <laughs> yeah yeah it's funny like I had like the reverse role of growing up so I my my elementary middle school was like mostly you know white Jewish but there was a large central South American population there mm -hmm. and then I went to high school in a predominantly African-American black neighborhood for magnet program mm -hmm. so I had like a little bit of both but then um I never had like went to a school that was predominantly Latino, but I had that with the family a little bit. Mm -hmm. But it's also like this, this is like a side thing about the podcast is just kind of like learning more about my culture and just how like they overlap, you know, between I'm Cuban and Puerto Rican. If you're mm -hmm. Dominican, you know, Mexican, there's there's a lot of similarities, but there's also a lot of differences. Yes. Which which is which is a, a big thing. So but um and then I, when I moved to New York, I'm pretty fresh to New York. I'm two years in, mm -hmm. uh, two years in August. But my mom was born in the Bronx by by Ford, off of Fordham and Valentine. Oh, okay. So she, uh, she, she always told me that's where she grew up, and she lived there through high school. So wow. And where are you from originally? Um, Florida, born and raised. I'm not, I'm not that nice. crazy Florida man you read no. about. <laughs> my father, he actually relocated to Miami like 16 years ago if oh, i'm cool. not mistaken and so i spend some time in florida as well back and forth yeah the, I, I miss the weather sometimes especially yeah, no, <laughs> no. i i feel you i feel you but i had a, a job last year that was um by the new school it's uh, over by union square right mm -hmm. yeah and it, it was it was a film company i don't know if you ever heard of Cinereach. Mm -hmm. they give um film grants and stuff but it, it was a cool experience and now and then I went back to corporate America. <laughs> <laughs> it has its days. You got to do what you got to do. Exactly. And then it was funny, like um, two years ago, I, w I took an online course and I met a doula and I'm like, they still have those wow. <laughs> here in New York too, um, Christy. But yeah, I was like, okay. And she's like, yeah, you know, I, I'm teaching and this and that. And, and uh, so it looks like it's kind of like a growing trend, but it's probably been here all along and and like what made you get into that like outside of the film and ethnic studies i've always been very maternal and i've always been someone who really likes to um provide support in any kind of capacity that i can whether it was like when i was a kid at school helping people like organize their book bags you know like i was really like <laughs> you gotta succeed like i have to help you <laughs> um and so are I you always, ocd about stuff like, like i mean not ocd but i i like order i'm i'm not the messy type um yeah not the messy type <laughs> but i i really love to provide support and i've always been that kind of person and i've always been like the mom of the group and you know sort of like that 
that archetype. But then when my brother was born um, eight years ago, my life completely changed and he became like the love of my life. And I couldn't, like, I still can't imagine life like without him. I, I can't re remember anything prior to my brother. And so there was like a newfound sort of like maternity that was born when he was born. And through family friends and reconnecting with them, and through reconnecting with a family friend of ours, I was able to kind of look at her, who, um, her name is Latham Thomas, and she's a doula and a birth worker and just an amazing advocate and activist. And she services everybody, but she brings so much light and so much, so much passion to her work as like, you know, making sure that people know black women, women of color are dying at the astronomical rate during birth and because of birth complications. She's, she's so much she she helps everybody reclaim who she comes in contact with reclaim this sort of like traditional ancestral healing and work and wisdom and knowledge that we all have that we don't necessarily have access to tap into because maybe we're too busy with work or we just didn't grow up like that and so through through reconnecting with her and through doing the doula you know practice i kind of realized oh you know i'm really into this and i want to help and i think i've always thought pregnancy is beautiful and i always have thought that it's magical the fact that like you grow a human inside of you like that's wild you know <laughs> and that's so, a power you have that i don't but <laughs> it's a power it's a power and i mean it's just being able to be there for people during such an important transition and being able to support them in whatever ways they need through that transition. We often think about birth as just being the birth of a baby into the world, but you're also witnessing the birth of a woman into a mother and the birth of a man into a father and the birth of a mother into a grandmother. You know, there's so much birth and there's so much change and transition and that can be messy and that could be complicated and uncomfortable. And so I just hope to always be able to support people going through that process. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing, pro like I have my, my goddaughter and then my cousins have kids too. And um, just seeing them, the, the, the difference between when they're before pregnancy, during pregnancy and after pregnancy <laughs> is amazing. And hats off to all, all the, the parents and women, um, women out there that are, because it's, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a I, lot. I have, a, I have a friend with two toddlers and like sometimes I go over there and I'm like, okay, I'm done. Like, <laughs> no, yeah, it's a lot. So, so hats off to them. But, um, I, I would love to hear, I know you've probably said it a million times and through many interviews, but if you want to give like a short, um, intro to like how the idea of Nueva Yorkinos was conceived, created and however you want to describe it. Yeah, so um, Nueva Yorkinos was born on February 14th of last year. I'm still totally shocked that there's even this level of recognition that people know what it is, that people have been so, you know, willing to share and participate and build with me, you know, um, in this project. But basically, I was in Dominican Republic. I was visiting family. It was the first time that I had been there in years. I mean, last time I went to DR, I must have been like six or seven. So it was really beautiful to go there. And I went with my mom, my stepfather, my little brother. And I was, it was one night and I'm on the couch, everyone's sleeping. And I was watching a show and I really didn't like the show, but 
I wanted to be able to like watch the whole thing so that I, I could criticize it, you know, and I could have like my opinions, but be like based in fact and not just based in like one episode. So I'm watching the series and I was like, okay, this is really crappy. And it was supposed to be like representative of like, you know, Latin narratives and all this stuff. And I was just like, okay, well, this doesn't do the job. And so after I, you know, watched the last episode, I just, you know, did a quick little social media scroll before going to bed catching up with friends, you know, texting, answering some emails. And I said to myself, okay, there's so many accounts that I either follow or that I've come in contact with in some capacity that service different niche communities. So you have your, you know, um, accounts dedicated to 1970s aesthetic. You have your accounts dedicated to African arts. You have your accounts dedicated to Bollywood. You know, like there's something out there for everyone. But for me, I didn't necessarily see anything that was representative of the New York City Latino, Latina, Latinx experience that I know I had and that so many people that look like me and that I've you know met in life have had and the people who live in my communities like there was nothing to represent us and so I basically said to myself on that hot night in Santo Domingo I better do it before someone else does it before a gentrifier does it and before anyone else who wants to come and profitize off of Latin Latinx black brown culture um, you know like before they do that I want to get behind it and so that is how Nueva Yorkinos was born. And I actually went through a few different iterations of the name because I wasn't sure if I wanted it to be Nueva Yorkinas and have it be solely dedicated to the women who have raised us, right? And the women who are parts of our communities. But then I also, you know, realized that, well, we're so important, so are our men. And in my life, personally, it's been my, you know, male um, teachers, it's been so many mentors that have been men that have made a lasting impact on my life and have helped me so much. And so I wanted to honor them as well. And like the man of my life is my grandfather, you know, and he's Dominican and he's he's a man (laughs) and so I wanted to make sure that there was a space that like everyone could honor everybody then I thought okay because I am aware of you know the different um different phases that we're going through and different you know ways to be inclusive do I make it Nueva Yorkinequis like with the x instead of the o or the a to pay homage to and to recognize people who don't identify as male or female right to 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 be representative of the continuum of humanity (laughs) who are Latino folks in in the city but I said also Maybe people won't understand what that is. You know, um, I want to make sure that I'm able to service everybody and include everyone. So if people want to submit and in their their stories they write Latinx, then that's cool. And then I'll you know like mm-hmm. I'll I'll add that. But I didn't want to ostracize anyone or or not be um, as clear. You know, because I didn't want the message to not be received by everybody. So we stuck with Nueva Yorkinos. <laughs> I got the I got the Instagram the same night I like woke my parents up to like ask for their laptop to you know go on GoDaddy mm-hmm. to buy the domain I was like I need to do this right now and here we are here we are yeah, a year and change yeah it's crazy when you're thinking of a name like and then you have to think of all these little considerations exactly and, you know what do I wanted to focus but I wanted to be open I don't want to close the door like when I came up with platform Latino I put like all these like you know, I, I was, I, I go straight to go daddy. I'm like, okay, what domain yeah, is yeah. open? <laughs> and, um, I, I've had a few people like, oh, you should have made a pl- platform Latinx and like, Latinx, yeah. but, um, 
at the time I'm like platform Latina buy like let me just get it because exactly. I don't want to lose it and you know I I identify as Latino and but you know I am inclusive I don't I'm not exactly. trying to keep anybody out and it is a platform that anybody can learn from so but it, you do have to kind of like okay this is it and let me let me do the purpose of it and keep on going and um but that that's an amazing story with yours and and it's um it's touch it's true you know like sometimes we have to think why aren't we doing it like we as latinos or latinx you know why aren't we stepping up and filling these gaps that we that are clearly there yeah that sometimes you know gentrifiers or a big business or somebody that has the money power and and push behind it can just come in and take it over you know um it, it's it's you know somewhere we need to step up and i and i i watched your your interview on BronxNet. Mm-hmm. And you had mentioned that there was that you did find a lot of history about like the Chicanos in California yes. and the Latino plight out there. And um, there was that void in New York and New York is like, you know, from Ellis Island. This is like, you know, from way, way back. Like I, I, I wrote an article that I found the first settler that stayed in new york was actually a dominican man yep juan rodriguez exactly yep. not many people not many people know about him exactly like, you know latinos have been here from the start we have been here from the jump yes <laughs> and, and not not many people know about this but like you know why why do you think like why why do you think there there was that gap like why what's what are we doing as a community or what are we not doing as a community that that's that's not not you know not fulfilling that hole in um in our culture and our history and and the documentation because i think the african-american population has done a great job you know they have all their historical figures well known implemented in the education system but you know there is that lack of of latin leaders that that not the mainstream know about like what, what's I, I would just like to to know your your experience of why it's been neglected? Well, I think it's, it has been neglected for a few reasons, you know, um, some that were more or that are more orchestrated and other reasons that just so happen to be, you know, for whatever, um, for whatever reason that is. I think that on the surface, you have people who like, let's say, like we are an immigrant community, we are an immigrant population here, whether we are first or second or third generation and so on and so forth. But so much of that immigrant mentality is to just like get it done, to work, to do, to do, to do. And so when when you're so caught up in, in your daily routine of doing and doing and doing, whether that is, you know, working at the, you know, like this store, that store, your mom and pop shop, your supermarket, the the car the car fixing station you know like whatever your your avenue is that that you're working in sometimes it's just so complicated and sometimes people just don't have the time sometimes people don't have the time to do everything it is that they'd like to do like like whether that is you know creative or whether it is you know a workout plan or whatever and so i'm sure that i'm not the first person to have this idea and that other people Mm -hmm. have have thought about it but i had the time you know i had the privilege of having time i had the privilege of having 
internet access. I had the privilege of, ha of being internet savvy. I've had the privilege of knowing how to document stuff, right? And so because of all of that, we all have to recognize like our privileges and our setbacks and what we can bring to the table and what others can teach us at the table. And what I can bring to the table is just being super or like organized focused, right? And like everything that I do is very like methodical and planned. And so, and then having the, the desire, I think also along with that sort of like tactical, practical application of what I do with Nerva Yorkinos is also having like that, that desire. I think when it comes to like education, when it comes to learning about folks who look like us, um, Latinos, Latinx folk who are at the forefront are all white, they're all Eurocentric. And if they're not white or Eurocentric, they're only singers, they're only entertainers, they're only people on baseball teams. They're not people that, that society wants us to really get to know. And they're not historical events that society wants us to pay attention to. I've ne I never learned what the Alamo was, the Battle of the Alamo. We don't really learn or pay attention to the fact that like Colorado is a, you know, Latin name mm -hmm. for a state, right? And that like Florida, and it's the same thing. And like yeah, you know, Montana, California, Montana, all... you know, like these are all rooted in our greater history as Latino, Latinx folks in the United States and in the Western hemisphere as a whole. Um, mm -hmm. But I, and I also think that in America, in a country that's so divided, that's so binary, that focuses so much on the black, white, you know, binary that has existed since, con you know, continental slavery that's happened here. I think that there's so much that has not been done and that has not been worked out and that has not been addressed and that has not been healed and that has not been, you know, uh, eradicated. Like all of those systems that are, that have been in place since slavery, since Jim Crow, they're, they're still here, they're ever present. And you have to, and society, like we have to deal with that as well. And we can't expect like everyone, like you can't expect, or not you, but like the general yeah, you. Yeah, in general. We can't expect all of us to be serviced at the mm -hmm. same time if we haven't been healing properly and we haven't been moving forward because I don't think that we've moved forward at all. I think that we're pretty stagnant and we have been since the beginning of like the 20th century. We've been stagnant, <laughs> but we've mm -hmm. just been as, as people of color, as marginalized folks, as women, as immigrants. I think that we've been appeased. You're like, oh yeah, like they gave us the right to vote in the 60s. Some people who say they're feminists will say that they gave us the right to vote in the 20s, which is not true because that excludes women of color. Um, but then they take it away in mass incarceration right so have we really been gifted anything and it's the same when you look at the way that the ghetto is is formulated it looks like a prison <clears throat> we sleep in places that look like prisons we have our commissary right outside it, like you have your bodega you have your barbershop and your laundromat and the supermarket liquor store and you don't have to leave right and so there's so many forces at play in this country and in countries built on colonialism who still profit from colonialism that haven't been addressed like so many issues that have not been been that we haven't confronted and that's why it's so important that people when they realize that there's an issue that they step up to you know and that's and that's true about like environmental activism that's true about indi in you know indigenous activism it's true about latino latinx activism artivism and so i found the way that i could help even just slightly even if it was just by changing one person's point of view or just bringing one person um like shining the the light on 
the Latino narrative in New York City, like, like making one person understand like who we are and what we've contributed. If I could change one mind, that's amazing. So the fact that in over a year, it's, I'm almost at 20,000, you know, reach, like you said, mm -hmm. I'm just so happy. And not because of me, but just because people are actually learning what this city is and how Latinos have contributed to this city, to the social fabric of these five boroughs. And we are so important. We are so necessary. We're so valued. And it, it took a pandemic to show the world how essential we are. And yeah. I think that we have always been essential. Um, but it's very complicated. I mean, it's very complicated. Yeah, and there, there's multiple layers, and you know, and then you know, we are a mixed culture, so we we range from the darkest black <laughs> to the lightest, you know, fairest skin. So it's hard to really put us in a box. And yes, I think maybe that's why we've been kind of looked over, or like, okay, you know, half of them are fine, and <laughs> yes, you know, not not saying that's right, but that's just they just lumped us to one side or the other. But um. Yeah, when I, f I found you, I forgot when I found your, your, the, the, the page, the Instagram page, but I loved it. And it reminded me of, um, my grandfather died two years ago, but I remember when we were cleaning their house, we found all these pictures and <laughs> it was a few, a few of them. My grandma was like, you can't look at those pictures. And it was her and my grandpa kissing, you know, in the fifties. Mm -hmm. I, I always love to tell the story. My grandpa came from Cuba to New York, didn't speak any English. He got in a cab. And they're like, where do you want to go? And he's in Manhattan. And they're like, where in Manhattan? He, he just said Manhattan. He didn't, that's the only word he knew. Oh my God. So he, he was a fair skinned um, Cuban. And so they thought he was Italian. So they took him to Little Italy and said, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that was history. But, um, but yeah, we, we have been here so long and we have all these personal stories and I just love it. And it, it mixes like the nostalgia, like looking mm -hmm. through an old photo book and then just learning about history of people and just their story and what that picture told and that memory that they have, especially in these days when everything's digital, you don't hold on to pictures that much. Yeah. And, um, but like, this is like a digital archive and it's like sharing it with the world and, you know, it, it has expanded its reach. And, um, I was just curious, like, um, what, how do you plan and curate? You say you're very organized and methodical. Like, how do you plan? I'm sure you get a lot of submissions and then outside of just having your own personal family photos, like, how do you say, okay, this one's going to be on Thursday and that one's going to be on Friday. And, you know, oh, I like this story. Maybe I should put it tomorrow. And like, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a lot to, to plan. I, I can imagine. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, when it comes to my personal family photos, I don't really share, not for any particular reason other than I want this to be a space for everybody and I don't want mm -hmm. to take up any space, right? Or, or take up too much space. So the other day I posted it about my dad because it was his birthday. He turned 50. I'll post, you know, about my mom on Mother's Day, you know? So when it's like these kind of like monumental um, holidays, then I will talk about my family, you know, or if there's something that has compelled me to talk about my, um, you know, grandfather, then I'll, you know, share. But I really want to make sure that everyone feels seen, everyone feels heard. And so when it comes to like the algorithm, I guess... I guess I track, so I've, I've posted every single photo that I've received so far. Um, uh, well, no, I take that back. I've posted every photo from 2019 that I've received so far. And so I know I'm going to have so much carryover from this year and into 2021 already because I could see that, <laughs> that you know, trend um, growing. However, the stories that I feel are very, they're also compelling. 
and they're also emotional and it takes so much strength for people to share with me something you know some stories some accounts that are so vulnerable and they don't even know me you know um so i take that i take that i don't take that lightly but what i do is on the weekends i'll post sort of like the lighter stories um or the captions that people don't necessarily write too much then i'll post those during the weekends um to kind of give like a joyous you know sort of mm-hmm. less tense i guess feel to the page and then during the week unfortunately so many people have lost family and loved ones to covid and so mm-hmm. i found myself i i have found myself posting a lot of tribute um mm-hmm. tributes for, for different people um and it's really sad because I'm getting to, like so many that I haven't been able to post all of them yet. And it's, uh, you know, it's that, it's that thing of, okay, well, do I want to break it up and then post something happy on this day or do I, or this is just life and life is happening right now and life is always happening. So maybe I'll post three COVID posts one week and then two that are not related. Um, but currently it's been very focused on remembering folks who have, past due to this um virus but i just you know i try to post the strongest pieces in the beginning of the week and then kind of like chill out for for the rest of the week and bring people <laughs> like you know laughter because i get a lot of messages about this post made me really emotional and this post reminded me of my grandmother who i haven't thought of in years or my mom who i haven't spoken to in years or whatever and so there's a there's an algorithm, but because of where we we're finding ourselves right now, um, it's kind of just been whatever I get, I post right away because I don't want to, I don't want someone to not feel seen, or I don't want someone to think that I that I care more about their you know someone else's aunt that has passed and not this person's grandmother, you know. So it's very I have to handle it with care. Um, there's a lot of care and compassion that goes into each post and making sure that I'm keeping everything as the submitter, the person who had submitted the photo um, wants it to be. But my, my um, like the back end of Nirvaya Kinos is I have tons of sheets, like spreadsheets with the day, the name, the handle, the email, like everything, the oh, caption. Wow. Yeah, it's very... <laughs> it's very organized and I actually have to like spend some time or like organizing it and updating it this week. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure it gets like, it, it could get overwhelming. And then, oh, definitely. And then definitely. as it grows, you're going to get more submissions. Like you mentioned that you're going to have, um, you'd be like a whole museum yourself. <laughs> oh my God. I hope, I hope it's a, it's a dream. Yeah. Did you see that one exhibit in East Harlem that they had last, um, summer and it was, um, the photographer for the young lords yes Hiram, um, maristani yes you, sh- you should like you should talk to him and be like hey can i get some of those archives because he, he i talked to him and he's like he, i'm like what do you do with the photos he's like they're under my bed i don't trust anybody <laughs> it's oh oh my god yeah. no th- those photos were outstanding and i'm actually um one of the women from from the young lords um she actually follows the page and has like kept in contact here and there and she's like like she she supports what i'm doing mm. and the whole movement and it's been it's been something i'm like oh my god i'm like so starstruck you know I'm like, ah! <laughs> but i was able to to see the exhibit last summer because i was doing stuff at el museo mm-hmm. so walking throughout the barrio buying things for my exhibition i saw the the photography and it was beautiful oh that's awesome 
Yeah, no, um, I'm part of, I, I live in Harlem. Um, I guess it's central Harlem or like mm-hmm. Lenox and 120s. But it's, uh, w- there's a, the run club that I have, they have an East Harlem walks during the summer mm-hmm. and they would walk and talk about like the, the little historical. So one of the walks, we had him walk with us and explain the photo and why mm-hmm. he took it and what was going on. So it was really like personal and it, it was really cool. That's to, so to nice. Back backstories of, of of the actual photos because sometimes you go to museums, you see a photo, you can think, or you know, there's a little caption. Exactly. But, but, um, yeah, I try to control my curls too. But. <laughs> um. Yeah. So you, you're talking about like all this stuff. Like I, I, like I always wonder, what, like, what do you like going through a whole almost a year of this? Well, a little bit over a year. Like, what do you encourage families to do with their photos and their old photos? Like, what, what advice would you have? Or, like, what are you doing with your art? I would say scan everything immediately. Um, I would encourage older family members to allow their younger family members who are more technologically savvy to mm-hmm. scan these photos. There's so much trust. There's so much lack of trust. So there's so much distrust when it comes to photos and having the photos leave the house. But it's really important. When I've um, gone to visit my dad, like last year, I started scanning all of his photos, all of which too are in bins under his bed. Um, nice. <laughs> when I go visit my grandmother, um, also in Florida, I hope to, on the next time that I'm able to go down there, I hope to start scanning her photos with my maternal, you know, grandparents. I've scanned all of their photos, but what I've done and something that I would um, encourage everyone to do is when, when you are met with a sense of like tension or distrust or people just, you know, like, like your family not wanting you to take it out, take bit by bit. So I took one album at a time with my grandmother, you know, I, I did one album at a time with my father. I wasn't just taking everything right away. Um, it's really important, especially because like in, in the Bronx, particularly, there are so many fires, there's so much arson, so many people, you know, wake up one day not knowing that that's going to be the day that some awful catastrophe happens you know um i've had friends who have you know lost their homes through fires i have family who have lost their homes through fires and with that they have lost their photos and while it may be difficult to you know locate all of your you know albums and if there is something um devastating like that it's easier to just get a jump drive and it's easier to just like take your drive and go. That way you'll have your photos forever. Um, I've actually gotten more into photography through Nova Yorkinos. I've always wanted to like try my stat at photography. Um, mm-hmm. And now I have film. I have a film camera, a little 35 millimeter that I shoot with. And I have my film right there. I'm looking at it. <laughs> and I can't <laughs> wait to take it to get developed. But after mm-hmm. I get them, them developed, what I do is I scan it right away. I scan it right away and then I have an album because I think that the beauty of the photo album I feel like it's a dying a dying tradition and it shouldn't be it's so beautiful I think that like as we become more and more technologized so much beauty of humanity is being lost the phone call you know like the phone calls the letter the the writing of letters handwriting just practicing writing with your hands and not texting and not typing so important and so um, I'm currently building my own my own um, set of 
photo albums and I have my first photo album that's right there. I'm also looking at it and I can't wait <laughs> for that one to be filled with memories. But definitely scanning is so important. So, so important. But again, that's a conversation that takes time. And I would stress like not to get frustrated with our family that doesn't understand the importance of it or that just doesn't trust. Maybe bring your laptop to their house, mm -hmm. buy a little cheap scanner for 30, 40 bucks from Best Buy and do it there alongside and then teach them, you know, mm -hmm. teach teach your 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 family how to scan like it could be fun it could and also i think like a, like one thing i was i did with my grandma when when she's 92 right now um when we were looking through her pictures we were to ask her like where was this taken like mm -hmm. oh and it's similar to your page you know you you get that bond and you know memories of of the past and your your family history and you can do that while they're scanning, you know, like while, while they're talking about the next photo, you sneak the other one and scan that one. Exactly. <laughs> Document it. And then you, you, it's like the oral histories of like ancient, you know, tribes that, mm -hmm. you know, that passes on to you and you could be looking through your photos and you explain it to your kids and their kids and stuff. And it, and it does offer that, that, that history exactly. that would have been lost if the, the picture was burned up in a fire or thrown out because nobody had space for it. And, and, those big things I, I like photography too it's like a side hobby like these are my pictures in the back oh nice but like um i this this year was the first time i ever printed out pictures and i'm like finally i need a <laughs> <laughs> but it is hard to pick like through all your pictures film is a little easier because you have like a roll and you mean to make yeah. sure that there but when you shoot digital and you're like okay 200 pictures <laughs> i know and it's been a nice practice too it's kind of like therapeutic because i've been documenting quarantine um clearly as i have my camera here and because there's limited film you know it's like okay like these are the precious moments i'm able to document whereas on, on my phone i take photos of everything you know what i mean like the the photos that i don't have necessarily any sentimental like attachment to but with mm -hmm. film i'm able to really choose you know and frame and it becomes it, it becomes its own like meditation you know like taking photos so definitely yeah yeah, that's my like decompress like mm -hmm. <laughs> I go out with my camera and then just kind of explore and see what I find and different yeah. angles. It is it is a nice um therapeutic practice if, if that that's your um what was your like okay this is one do you have an all time favorite memory or picture that you during this journey of Nueva Yorkin? That's on I'm the sure page. Love, yeah, I'm sure you love all of them, but what ones what is <sighs> Like one give you chills or make you cry. Or make oh you super my happy. goodness. Um, the first one that comes to mind is a photo that was submitted by this woman from the Bronx. And I kind of like have this really weird like memory where I remember details from everybody's posts, which is also a lot. Like it occupies a lot of my brain, like everyone's story. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there there's a photo of that that this woman submitted of her uncle. And it was a photo of her uncle getting married to his lover at their apartment, at the mom's apartment in on on Valentine, actually, in, in the Bronx, right? Oh, wow. On Valentine Street. Or maybe it's an avenue. I'm not too sure, but I think it's a street. And so um, they're getting married, and there's a beautiful and, and it's just a shot of them kissing and a friend in the back smiling. And the story was basically that although no one really understood in the family, they were there to support this guy, their son, right? And they were there, and they all came together. So in in this living room, behind the scenes, behind the camera, you have you know 
just normal Puerto Ricans from the Bronx, and then you have drag drag queens and all these amazing, colorful, you know, personalities from like downtown. And it was in like 1983, 1984. So you have, you know, lots of fear surrounding the, the gay, queer, LGBTQIA plus community. You have AIDS, you have HIV. And so to see this, this beauty and, and to see this moment that was captured, that's a moment of love that, that was captured during a time of such uncertainty um, was so beautiful. But the part of that whole thing that moved me and still moves me to this day is one, it is one of the most liked photos and shared photos on the page. And two, that I was not met with any homophobia, with any, any, you know, ignorance, with any negativity. There was so much love and it was so positive. And it's something that I struggled with because I was like, oh God, I'm going to, I'm, like, like I feel bad because although I support this woman and I support her, her story, I don't want her to be met with any stupidity because then I have to block people and I'm very about protecting the community. So I will block anyone instantly who does not follow the community guidelines. But the fact that I only had to, you know, delete one or two like personal DMs that I received that were mm -hmm. more negative or whatever. Um, the fact that it was just received with so much love and she was received in so much love and everyone was just so open that really that brought tears to my eyes because i was like oh my god am i helping with like <laughs> homophobia in the latino community it, it like, also gives you hope that there that people are learning and like exactly and exactly <laughs> it was so much acceptance and just mm. so much like pure genuine you know like happiness to joy for for the couple um it was it was amazing, but every photo I love every photo, but that that one just because of everything that happened around the photo, including communal engagement, that that'll be one that I remember for oh, forever. Give me a little a few chills though. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you ever had like a picture that connected people like? Oh my god! Oh. It happens all the time, and it's so fun to watch, particularly with people who went to high school together. Oh, cool. So you'll see like, oh my God, wait, did you also go to, you know, like whatever high school? And it's like, oh my yeah. God, I did. When did you graduate? And ah, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of that. Yeah. I have a funny story. Like, um, every now and then I'll Google my name and mm -hmm. just to see what comes up. And one time I Googled it and my, my dad has the same name. So, it, but it said Ozzy and Barbara Valdez, which are my parents' name, mm -hmm. but it was like an eBay like listing. So I clicked it. And it was pictures of them that they went to like um, to get married in the Catholic church. You have to go through like training or like a workshop. Mm -hmm. And they had gone to this big weekend of like all in like what couples to be. And the newspaper took pictures and whoever was the, the newspaper photographer's kids were selling his, his old pictures. Wow. Just, just like a lot, it's like $30 a picture. And I emailed them. I'm like, these are my parents. And my mom, like, I got the pictures in the mail and, and like, I made it for their, their 25th anniversary gift. Aww. And I was like, where did you get this? I'm like, Google. <laughs> but, it, but it's crazy, like, out there and then, you know, like, little things that connect in the story. But my mom had remembered that the person took the picture, mm -hmm. wrote down their names, and she had called the, the Miami Herald to see if she could find it, but wasn't wow. able to. 25, 26 years later, she was able to. But yeah, that's that. It's like a, a unifying thing. It's 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 crazy. Like um, that you're bringing these people together and ghosts, not ghosts from the past, but people from the past that mm -hmm. still want to connect with. Um, what's what's your like future goals? Like, what's the 
the mission like what 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 you you already finished one year and you you've achieved so much like you're in a, the the museum of the body you know, know. <laughs> like how I many know. people can say that <laughs> i think that i would well there's a lot that I want to do with Nueva Yorkinos, you know, um, just like the Chinese American Museum and the Tenement Museum here in New York City. I would love to have an actual piece of real estate that is dedicated to Nueva Yorkinos and is dedicated to celebrating and documenting all of our histories because, my God, do we deserve it. We are so deserving of a space here that is about us, that is for us, you know? Um, and so I would love to have a museum one day. Like, that. that is a goal, you know? Like, why not? Why not have a museum? Um, and then more sort of immediate, like more feasible, <laughs> attainable goals. Um, I hope to continue, you know, selling merchandise. I hope to one day have a book. I would love to have books, coffee table books. A series would be beautiful. Cookbooks, you know, um, I would love to do film. I'd love to have, you know, like a series, do a documentary, do multiple documentaries. There's so much. Um, there, there are so many ways that I see Nova Yorkinos growing. It's just a matter of like, okay, what do I want to do first? <laughs> or what do yeah. I want to like tackle first? Gotcha. And how do you manage it with like being a doula, doing that? You said you have another job. Mm -hmm. um, I, I forgot what you said. Is it like an apparel thing? Oh, um, no, I, I work in film and TV. Oh, film and TV. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, how do you manage all that? Like, <laughs> I think I have a day job and then this and it, it's already... <laughs> I think because I grew up doing so much, like I was in so many extracurricular activities. I grew up playing piano. I was in theater. I took vocal, you know, singing lessons. Um, I played tennis. I did so much growing up. I was in school. Um, then when I got to college, I took the like, mo like the maximum amount of credits like per semester. And I was also involved with activism, with this, with that. And so I, you know, it's kind of just become like my default setting to the point where it's beneficial because I can juggle a lot, but then I also have to step back and say, okay, you need to relax and get off of your computer <laughs> and be a human and watch TV and eat and laugh and have fun and all of that, you know? But I think at this point, it's just, it's just become a part of my life. And so I just treat it as such, you know? Oh, that's awesome. All right. So like, I just want to get a little bit more about the workings of, of your, your <laughs> life and like the tools people learn along the way and just through experience and stuff. And your, your mom is very accomplished. She's an author. She's worked with um, pretty big names as well as your dad or your stepdad. And your dad owns a, a, I think a gym I saw. Mm -hmm. So, so everybody, you, you, you've been surrounded by successful adults outside of your grandparents and everybody else. Um, what pr pressures did you face personally that differed than from those of others that are in the art community that maybe don't have parents that, that were in there and supportive and, and whatnot? Like what, what, everybody has a hard time in their, their journey, mm -hmm. but like what, what pressures did you feel personally that allowed you to, to over, overcome them and get to where you are now? More than a pressure, I think that because I grew up with a with family that was very much about decolonization, I was just mm -hmm. exposed to like the truths about everything at a very young age. And that's a lot. Um, and that's a lot to deal with as a kid, you know, learning about slavery, learning about colonization, learning about 
all of the isms that are in place today, the toxic byproducts that are in place today because of what happened hundreds of years ago. Um, I've, I've learned about that since I was a kid. And so the advantage, of course, right, is that you have like a awareness and that you, you know, like are exposed to real life at an early age. But then again, the con to that is you're exposed to real life at an early age and you're aware and frustrated at an early age. Um, and so I think being exposed to that and then also being in a family of artists and in a family of people who never pushed me to only do one thing or only be one thing, rather people who supported me to be everything that I wanted to be and actually pushed for that. They were advocating like, yo, do a hundred thousand things and be, be yourself. And you don't only have to be Jolly the accountant. If, if you love accounting, but you also want to be a sculptor, do both, you know? Um, and because I had that kind of framework growing up, that was the advantage, but it was always very difficult because I never felt, and I still don't feel like I'm doing enough because I've been exposed to all of the issues that plague society since I was a kid, you know? And I know that, that, that sounds maybe funny or maybe comical, but it's real. Like, like we're, being, our, we're our own biggest enemy, you know, like we put pressures on us that are not even existent. But <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm here mobilizing and advocating for this cause, but I know that these people over here are also dealing with this thing that I want to help bring light to and I want to help change. And But, the, you know, it's very difficult because I found myself and I still find myself spreading myself very thin across mm -hmm. everything because I want to do everything because I care about everything, right? Um, and so I think that, just being aware and, and exposed to life as a child was the thing that's been, or that was both like the pro and the con, um, or like the obstacle and the answer, you know? Gotcha. Yeah, it, it, it was, it was annoying, but it's helped build you and made you who you are. Exactly. So going off of that, like, um, I, I, I put a post that I was interviewing you and somebody, one of my friends, she, she met, reached out to me and she's actually a white house reporter so it was mm -hmm. like i was like oh do you have any questions for her and she this is her question her name is laura uh -huh. we, um she would love to know what you go through when people send you tributes of lost lo loved ones is it a tough process she goes that her for i for one have gotten teary-eyed when she posted pictures of people who passed recently from covid 19 mm -hmm. like um how do you deal with that emotion and what what do you it's always hard because currently in this whole sort of new normal that we find our, that we're finding ourselves in, I'm thinking about my grandparents who are both high risk and I'm thinking about them maybe not overcoming this, you know, and they're not sick right now, but they have heart disease, heart failure, this, that, anything that you can think of my grandparents have. And they're still doing what they want. They're still taking walks. They're still going outside because while it's frustrating to me, I'm also very aware that they are their own autonomous individuals. And if they want air, they're going to go get air. You know, if they want to go to the park, they're going to go to the park. Um, and so for me, what I try to do is when I get too emotional and too overwhelmed with the photos and with the stories, I'll take a step back um, and I'll just put my phone on do not disturb and I'll leave it in another room or I'll leave it on the floor or somewhere that's not within reach. Um, that happened particularly with a woman who asked me whether she could post or submit a photo, and she hasn't done it yet, but she, she wants to submit a photo of her parents. Her father um, killed her mom, 
and but she doesn't know anything about her dad's side of the family and so she wants to use the page as a way to see if anybody knows them and if she can connect and so that that was very difficult for me i of course i i said yes um but she hasn't done it yet when it comes to the tributes of people um that i've been posting recently i try to look at it as a celebration of life you know in in the united states and in western culture death is so has been so um, much associated and and so longly associated with with morbidity it's always so sad it's always so depressing it's black it's gray it's drab and while we do feel sad and while we do cry and while we do mourn our loved ones who have passed death in so many of our actual indigenous communities that we stem from death is celebratory because it's a celebration of life and it's a celebration of everything and all the accomplishments and all of the imprints that our, our loved ones have left on us and on everyone that that they've touched and so i tried to look at it more as thank you so much i'm so grateful that you are allowing me to help celebrate life with you and that you're allowing my community the nueva yukinos community the twenty thousand or so of us that are part of this um, family that you are allowing all of us to help celebrate and so being able to and tapping into more sort of traditional ancestral healing and wisdom you're able to or one is able to or I have been able to not look at it so so sad you know and not look at it with such a heavy heart but rather a light heart and rather feeling so grateful that people feel comfortable to share that with me and being able to facilitate that that celebration has been something that is un I can't describe it. I can't even put words to it, as you can see. Yeah, no, it made me remember when my when my father's dad died, my grandpa on that side. I was maybe like, maybe like early teens, but I remember at his funeral, like, I, like I see people laughing. I and I, I was like, why are people laughing? Like my grandpa that just died, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, my mom and my dad, I, I forgot which one. They were like, oh no, they're just like they were. Speak I don't speak Spanish fluently, mm -hmm. but they're remembering the good times they they had with him and the stories and and seeing people that they hadn't seen and oh remember when we went there with him in that time and yeah we went on and that that's what does need to be celebrated and, and like when my my other grandfather died two years ago like i was really close with him but mm -hmm. what i kept reminding myself is like look i was 31 years old i got to spend 31 years of my life with him and get to know him mm -hmm. where a lot of people don't get to know their grandparents and it's you do got to celebrate the life and the story and, and their, their history and what they, they imparted on you. And I mm -hmm. guess, and like you're saying, like, this is a platform that, that allows them to amplify that because it's in sharing it with the world. Um, and, and it's a crazy time right now. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, it also goes to what your upbringing is and how, you know, you have been taught whether personally or just like socially to um, deal with death and, and to deal with that sort of like loss. And for me, I, I grew up practicing Santeria or Lukumi and Espiritismo. And so in my upbringing and still to, to this day, I was always taught that our ancestors are with us. Like, and I know maybe for some it sounds crazy, but for me, it's my reality, you know? And so even though people pass and even though our loved ones may be, you know, not in the physical with us today, they're, they're always there. They're ever present. And so when, when you think about that, it's like, 
oh, okay, it's my squad, it's my posse of loved ones that are with <laughs> all the time, you know, and who, who help me, who walk with me, who are always there to see all of my accomplishments. You know, I, I think that there's something to be said about the fact that almost every indigenous belief system throughout the world over believes in ancestors and believes in the, the, the realm that, you know, is the beyond. And life doesn't stop. The soul doesn't stop when when the physical stops, you know, and so being able to kind of just think more so on on those lines and again laugh when thinking about our people who've passed. Um, it's just, you know, it's it's a little bit it's not easy because death isn't easy. Mourning isn't easy, loss isn't easy, but it helps alleviate a bit of the pain when you bring laughter into it and celebration into it. It does. It does. It definitely does. As much as you can, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's gonna be sad, and you're gonna miss them. But you got to remember that you did. You they are with you, and they're, and and if you don't believe them, that they're floating around as ghosts or are their spirits mm-hmm. around. Just the memory of them exactly. is there to guide you and be that that source of reason and exactly and, um, and guidance. So um, I'm gonna you know we're getting too close to an hour, but. Mm-hmm. We'll do a little lightning round. Yes. I'm trying to to bring it up after we talked so much about death and <laughs> Yes. Um yes, I'm but, ready. I'm ready. But um so so we are going to th- during the we are going through this quarantine and the the pandemic of the coronavirus and mm-hmm. COVID nineteen. Um, what are some things you've learned while being in quarantine that you're gonna bring in, bring establish and bring as a habit into your life going forward as we, you know, get through this? hand washing all of my laundry so much better really yes immediately that that is my thing i have found it so therapeutic um and you you develop a different relationship with your body as you're hand washing clothes like you have a, or i had a greater appreciation for like my arms and my muscles and my triceps and biceps and my hands for being able to wring you know um so yeah you want some more therapy i have a whole bag of laundry <laughs> yeah there's a whole bag of laundry right there that i'm gonna get into tomorrow so (laughs) hand washing for sure is one of them and then what are what's like what what's one thing you've done you said photography but like maybe Mm -hmm. another one to keep saying you know like you know we are this is a whole different lifestyle for all of us so like what have you done to meditation and i lead guided meditations like either on mondays or wednesdays and i invite everyone from my personal page to the nuevo community to my family and friends to participate so i've been meditating a lot awesome and then this last question is a a a little personal Mm -hmm. um but how did you get aoc to get a shirt of yours and can you hook it up (laughs) (laughs) i just gave it to someone who like knows her (laughs) okay this guy came to um, an event that I was part of and then he bought a shirt and then like we vibed and he had a really like nice run with him. And so I, her and I spoke for a long time and then like, you know, like all three of us were just chatting and then like AOC came up and I was like, oh, dope here, give her a shirt. And then he was like, yeah, I will. And then he actually did. And she actually oh. likes it and wears it. So <laughs> have you talked to her? Or? Um, DM'd a few times. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> like, thank you so much for like, you know, supporting and all that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Well, well, thank you so much, Jolly, like for for being on the podcast. I think we learned a lot. And, you know, we got a little bit of the background and personal background of the um, Nueva Yorkinos. And, you know, I'm excited to see it grow and grow and grow. And anything I can do or my, you know, my audience can do to help, you know, I'm sure will be a pleasure and just keep, keep, keep doing it. You're doing awesome. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you so much. 
Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, hit subscribe and of course, follow us on IG, Facebook, and all their social media platforms at Platform Latino. That's P-L-A-T-F-O-R-M-L-A-T-I-N-O. Thanks again and have a wonderful and inspired day. Mm-hmm.